Hello, friends, and welcome to the rest of the sermon. Thank you for joining me today for this bonus episode, an episode where we're going to talk about Juneteenth and its significance in our country's history. Today is Juneteenth. It's June 19th, and on this day in uh, 1865, a U.S. general by the name of Gordon Granger went into Galveston, Texas, stood on the courthouse steps, and read General Order Number 3. Here's the beginning of that order. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and that a connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. Juneteenth obviously has significance in our country's history. It dawned on me today as I was standing in Lexington Cemetery with my middle child, my youngest daughter, and we were surrounded by a few folks who had gathered, a deacon from my church uh, and some others who were there, to place a wreath at the grave of Gordon Granger. Yes, that Gordon Granger, the Union General who read that proclamation. He's buried here in Lexington, something I was unaware of, something that I would have been proud of for my state, knowing that that general was here. He's here because originally he had worked his way up to be the general of the Kentucky Army. And while at that post, he met a young lady, Maria, from Lancaster. And they were married. After being the general of the Kentucky Army, he went on to serve the Cumberland Army, Uh, and then moved on from there. He originally was from New Mexico, I believe, and it's in New Mexico where he dies. But upon his death, he asked for his body to be shipped back to Lexington, Kentucky. And it's here where he finds his eternal resting place. Juneteenth, in a cemetery, placing a wreath this morning, again, with my middle child, my youngest daughter, The ceremony was nice. We placed a wreath. Uh, Logan, who had um, kind of put this together, he'd orchestrated it, read General General Order Number 3. And we had a moment of silence before those who had gathered broke into conversation. Conversation about what they see in the world today, what's different now, what makes now different than before. Conversations around the importance and the role that coronavirus has played in all of this. It wasn't lost on me the idea that we've all been forced uh, to slow down, to stop. And because of that, we have seen video, we've seen this video of George Floyd when maybe we could have ignored it before, but we were unable to do so because life wasn't normal yet. It's still not normal. And so we all see with our own eyes And for once, we can't argue with what we see with our own eyes. I listened as a gentleman shared that, you know, for far too long he had not shared his experiences growing up black with his white friends because he knew he felt like they would never believe him. They wouldn't believe that he had had the experiences that he had. But now in this moment, you can't argue with what you've seen with your own eyes. Abby and I, my daughter, had a few conversations today about the importance of Juneteenth, and we talked about how 
It happened, obviously, June 19, 1865, almost 100 years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, that which was supposed to equal freedom for all. But it didn't. And so in a short couple weeks, we're going to be celebrating the 4th of July like we do every year. But this year I call into question and I will be wondering, thinking in the back of my head, is this the day that we should celebrate? Or is really the birth of independence, should that be celebrated on June 19th? That's when we all became free, right? But then, of course, I know the history, or I'm learning the history. That's not when we all became free. That's when slavery changed to another name. And it wasn't chattel slavery anymore. It turned into labor uh, for, for those who have committed crimes. And it became awful easy for those with a darker complexion, complexion to, to commit a crime, in the eyes of the white man at least. And then segregation and Jim Crow, and I, the list goes on, right? But today, today we celebrate, we commemorate. I want to call us again on this Juneteenth as we've thought about a little history, maybe learned a little history. I learned some things about this Central Kentucky connection that I didn't know before. I learned a little bit more about the significance of this day, more than I knew before. And this day has left me filled with hope. It's left me filled with hope because I, I realized something today. As I was talking with my family last night about where I was going to go this morning, that middle daughter, that middle child, my youngest daughter, Abby, she, she, she piped up and she said, Dad, can I, can I go with you? And of course I said, sure. We were there at the cemetery, gathered around and talking with one another afterwards. And two women who had gathered there looked at her and said, can we take a picture with you? And she smiled through her mask and said, yes, of course. And so I snapped the picture and they said, you have said all that needs to be said today. And I didn't understand what that meant. And then they pointed at her shirt. She had a shirt on and it said, be kind. I asked her on the way home if that was intentional. She said, no, that's just the shirt that I grabbed. But it does sum up pretty eloquently all that's needed. If we could just be kind. If we could just be kind to one another. If instead of causing a scuffle, if instead of trying to arrest someone, what would have happened in Atlanta, Georgia, if those officers would have said, let's just take you home? Mr. Brooks, what would have happened? Maybe he's not shot in the back as he runs away. What would have happened if Mr. Floyd, we could have said, okay, listen, we'll take this bill, we'll give you the fine that you're going to get. But no, instead, we had to prove a point, perhaps. I, I don't know what was going through that police officer's mind. But it certainly wasn't kindness. What would happen if we shifted our focus to being kind? You know, I serve as a pastor at a church. It's a Baptist church. There's a lot that comes with that history. I grew up as a Methodist. And I would have never dreamed that I would have been the pastor at a Baptist church. But I can tell you honestly and truthfully and faithfully that I'm proud to be a pastor at a Baptist church. 
especially this Baptist church. Because this church is filled with people who have bought into, who have surrendered to this motto that we have that says our our church strives to know God, to love all, and to serve others. You see, we've taken seriously this call to discipleship that Jesus has put on our lives. And so on a day like today, Juneteenth, it's a deacon of that church who first brings me aware, makes me aware through a video about this Central Kentucky connection and says, I want to invite you all to come and join me. He's been doing this wreath lane for about five years now, he says, and normally it's just him out there alone. But today it wasn't. And that brings me back to, again, why I have hope. You see, today at 41, I learned something new, right? I learned about this connection to Central Kentucky. I learned a little more about the history of this date at 41. But my daughter, who's 12, she's learned about it already. You see, that's what I see when I turn on the television and I see these protesters. I see what's happening in the streets all across America over and over and over. The stories that are run, what we see is that guess who's out there? It's young people. In Nashville, there's four uh, high school students that have organized march after march after march. It's a new generation. And maybe differently than mine, their eyes are open. They are seeing truths that were never given to me. And they're seeing and experiencing and learning for themselves. They have history books at their fingertips, right? And they're learning they don't have to wait and see what some teacher is going to tell them, which isn't the full truth to begin with, not because that teacher didn't want to, but because that's not what was given. We live in an amazing world, in an amazing time. Earlier this week, Here in Kentucky, a statue was removed from the Capitol Rotunda, a statue of former Confederate leader Jefferson Davis. I grew up in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, not far from where said Confederate leader Jefferson Davis was born. In fact, 10 minutes or so outside of Hopkinsville in Fairview, there's a monument that stands. It's much like the Washington Monument, a smaller scale, obviously, but a big obelisk erected to honor Jefferson Davis. I was having a conversation with my wife, a history teacher. And she said, you know, I don't understand why they need to take that statue out of the rotunda. And I can see that perspective. I can see that point of view. And I've had many people, I've heard many people, I've read many people that have said, you're just erasing history and and all that's going to happen then is we're doomed to repeat it. But then I saw an analogy And I thought it was pretty apropos. So I want to share it with you. Just some food for thought. If you were in the camp where you think that by taking statues down, we're erasing history. uh, I want to just say, you know, in the grand scheme of Christianity, Satan is a pretty significant uh, character, wouldn't you say? But it doesn't take churches. We, We don't have statues of Satan in our sanctuary so that we can remember the atrocities so that we can remember what Satan represents. We don't need those visual reminders because there's people people that have lived a story. And we have that story. 
You see, and in our country, what, what I've seen or what has been demonstrated to me or what I'm learning right now is we don't have the story. We have a version of the story, but it's not completely full. It'd be like reading now, um, trying to find a holy scripture from the perspective of a Babylonian. Maybe that's a poor example because there was a time where they were in power, right? I, you know, but you get the, get the point that I'm making. What I would say is I don't think we have to have statues to tell us what history, uh, what happened in history. After all, we're a country that relatively is pretty young. I saw something else, and I didn't do the fact-checking. I probably should have, especially before I share this on a podcast. But I started thinking uh, and, 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 and reading a little bit about, you know, we see these things in our history, and we think about, oh, that was a long time ago. At least I'm guilty of this. I think about, you know, I read the diary of Anne Frank when I was uh, in high school, and, and it felt like, you know, long generations ago. I, I think about the struggles of King in the 60s, and again, for me, that feels like a long time ago. I wasn't alive when that happened. But do you realize that Martin Luther King Jr., Anne Frank, and Barbara Walters were all born in 1920? In other words, if King and Frank were alive today, they'd be the same age as, Wal- as Barbara Walters. In other words, we're not talking about that long ago. Less than a lifetime for the Holocaust. Less than a lifetime for the struggles in the South for civil rights. The end of Jim Crow. There are many people alive right now today, in fact, that have lived through both. Friends, we don't need statues to remind us of the atrocities. The atrocities speak for themselves. We need to recognize what statues were for. Who built them? Who paid for them? Why were they placed where they are placed? Those are questions we need to ask ourselves. I've rambled on probably for long enough for today. But I do want to say, especially on a special episode, thank you for joining me. Thanks for coming in and listening for sticking around for the rest of the sermon. I want to encourage you today and every day coming up to continue to listen. Listen to the stories of those those who have been too afraid to speak before. Not afraid because they didn't weren't speaking truth, but afraid because you won't listen. Let's show that we are listening and that we want to hear. Know that I love you praying for you. And as always, until we meet again, God bless.